This, 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 this is mythical. Before we get started, we wanna let you know about the dates where we're gonna be at places and we want you to come see us. This coming week, we're gonna be in Houston, New Orleans, Birmingham, Jacksonville, and Tampa. That starts Wednesday, September 4th and goes through September 8th. So there's still some tickets available, so grab them up. Yes, and then a little bit later in the year, we're bringing our Bleak Creek Conversations. That's where we're gonna be talking about the book and the creative process. Also showing a documentary that we made back in Bowie's Creek. Uh, and remember, every single ticket for that show comes with an actual copy of our novel, The Lost Causes of Bleak Creek. So that's, a, that's a good deal. So and that's it's gonna be a very special experience. Yeah, and that's gonna be late October, uh, starting October 27th in Boston, uh, then October 29th in New York, 30th in Chicago, Halloween night in Dallas, Fort Worth. Uh, then we're gonna be in Winston-Salem, uh, two shows, November 1st and then uh, finishing that up in LA on November 3rd. And then we just got a handful of shows for our music and comedy in Albuquerque, Phoenix, Sacramento, and Valley Center, California, starting on November 20th through the 23rd. So go to retinlinklive.com, and if you know people who are in those areas, tell them to come see us. All tickets at retinlinklive.com. Now, on with the biscuit. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, I'm Link. And I'm Rhett. This week at the round table of dim lighting, we are asking the question, should you switch which side of the bed you sleep on? Oh man. And I mean, other questions. I'm getting, I got a shiver down my spine when I heard you ask that, and when I immediately read it, I was like, oh, we, this, I feel threatened. Uh, this is a question from a mythical beast in response to a prompt that we put out on, I don't know, where do we put it out? Twitter, Facebook, how do we do it? Twitter. Uh, follow got us a lot Twitter. of really good questions. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Fo follow us on. Um, yeah, follow us everywhere. Follow us, follow us to the ends of the earth. Don't think, just follow. <laughs> so yeah, I'm excited about that question and, and a number of questions that that we got. Um, so excited that we should just get right into one of the questions. Yeah, let's do it. You feeling excited? I Well, I am. You don't look excited. Well, because I like to ease into the day. <laughs> you know, you don't wanna, it, people, who it's come, early. It's people early. who come in and seem too excited for the morning, they burn out so fast. <laughs> I build Are you talking up. about, you thinking about somebody in particular? Uh, no, I would say that one out of eight days, you kinda do that, and I can kinda <laughs> see it in your face. It's kinda like, I gotta psych myself up. <laughs> I gotta psych myself up, man, and you come in and you're psyching yourself up, and I can tell that you have not had a good day so far. So, no, 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 no. My no. theory about you is that okay. when you seem excited, it's because I'm you haven't had a good I'm day. I'm compensating. It isn't because, oh, Link's having a great time, he's super excited, he's in a great mood. When you're having a good day, I think you're like this. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Nothing. I, yeah. Just I, flat line. Yeah, right. But if I'm not having a good day, I seem like I'm having a great day. Yeah, and if I seem like I'm having a great day, Something. I am having a great day. <laughs> I don't psych myself up. That never happens, Rhett. Right. No, I'm having One a, out of every eight days, no, I need to have a good day. I work my way into a good day every day. I like to have something to look forward to, not something to dwindle. You know what I'm saying? So set your expectations low at the beginning of the day. Don't smile too much. Don't seem too excited. Listen. And by the end of the day, you'll be happy. There's another thing. Some, sometimes you're right, okay? I'm not gonna say you're wrong. Often, I'm right. About this. 75% no, of the time, okay. I'm right. I'm not talking about in general, <laughs> you asshole. I'm talking about 
Oh yeah, seventy-five percent of the time you're right about my one in eight times I'm acting happy when I'm not in order to seem become happy. Okay, good. But there are times when you're just happy. When I'm just freaking happy in the morning, like, and it it usually has to do with some magical song came in, on my playlist on my drive-in. Oh, you're too. Yeah, yeah. That's that's no, your problem. No. Why why is there got to be a problem? No, I'm saying just be happy for oh, me that I was happy. Here's what I'll say. Oh, don't get happy because of music. If, no, music can make you happy, but if you know that music can change your mood, you should find the songs that do that and you should make sure that one of those is always in the playlist. No. I don't want you to be Happy Link one out of eight times. I want you to be Happy Link all the time if it's a possibility. Now you're sounding like an addict. (laughs) Because here's the thing. Are Are you addicted to music? Happiness is not something you can manufacture, my brother. It's something that, and when you do, it diminishes. But when a song, it's kind of like when your favorite song comes on the radio, it makes you happier than when it comes on when you select, scroll and select it. You're not listening to the radio though. I'm not, but I'm listening to Spotify curated playlists that they, like the algorithm thinks I like. So when the So you're relying on the computer to make you happy. <laughs> yeah. When the computer uh, makes me happy, who's got the I'm problem happier here? than when I make myself happy. Uh, but I'm in control. Listen, I'm not interested in happiness, I'm interested in joy. <laughs> Fine, everything I was saying, I was talking about joy. Uh, Joey, really? two syllables. Joey. <laughs> Joey. <laughs> Joey. <laughs> I wonder that, how Joey. You know doing. you're in the South when you don't know whether someone is asking for joy or Joey. <laughs> Joey. <laughs> It, hold on, did you say Joy or Joey? Because I couldn't tell. Do we wanna start with the bed question? Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, he's, uh-oh, you're getting happy too soon. No, it's no, too no, early no, no, for no, you no. to get to happy. I'm letting natural circumstances, much like a playlist, <laughs> make me happy. Okay, I'm super excited about this question because we didn't talk well, about you're this. you're gonna burn out. We didn't talk about this because of the way that the vacations worked and all this, but I really wanted to know your opinion on this. On this question? I've talked about with this uh, about my wife because there was something related to this that went viral on Twitter. So this oh, question. Read, read the question. Is from Mike Dadbod, Florida, yeah. which that's a good name. My wife, out of nowhere, eight years into our marriage, decided she wanted to change what side of the bed we sleep on. Now, especially in the context of the question, my wife, eight years into marriage, decided she wanted to change what side of the bed she wanted to sleep on. It sent shivers down my spine. Oh, I can only imagine. Like, I just felt, I had a fear reaction of empathy to you, dad bod Florida. Now. That dad bod's all of a sudden finding himself on the other side of the bed? I think what I'm about to tell you. But I don't wanna have a knee jerk emotional reaction. It's gonna blow your mind. I wanna analyze this and I wanna be open to well, and I have a I have a theory about the way that you approach this, and I think you probably ha- have a theory about the way I would approach this. Now, the reason this I wanted to get into this question is because a few weeks ago on Twitter, uh, there was a guy who said, or a girl, I don't know who who exactly it was. It was someone I don't think they were a public personality. Maybe they were. Anyway, they were like last night we were hanging out with cu- a couple that we've been friends with for a while, and we found out that they do not have sides of the bed that they sleep on. Wow. Any given night, they may end up on either side of the bed and it's not a discussion and it just is the way they've always been. And of Are course- they pass out drunk every night or something? And this, of course, sent shockwaves throughout the internet because this is crazy, okay? I mean, I personally think that 
and I'm a person that I don't, I'm not routine oriented, yeah. but this struck me Wild. as bonkers, you know? Yeah. Uh, the idea that you don't have a side of the bed because there's just so many just utilitarian things that go along with what side of the, but you've, you've got bedside tables that have your stuff in them, right? You put your phone on, like, there's just- Preach, re right? There's reasons to be on a side of the bed. Preach. Now, and now, so I, I, I was, you saying this, hold, it brings a lot more power than me saying it because everyone's gonna know that I'm gonna say my thing about. Well, hold on, but, I, but let me just say, your opinion about that is not a novel opinion. That's a normal opinion. That someone would have a bedside table that has, like there's a drawer that is, I'm not even an organized person, but I'm an organized person compared to my wife, at least when you're talking about drawers. So like I got <laughs> right. things in my drawer, I got books on my side, I got th the way I wanna charge my phone, et cetera, on my side. Now, the thing that I discovered when Jesse and I started talking about this, and this is my question for you, is have you always had a particular side of the bed throughout your whole marriage regardless of what house you're in and when you stay in a hotel, do you occupy the same side of the bed that you do at home? That's my question for you. And I am, and let me just say that my guess is that you've always had the same side of the bed and you always assume it on vacation. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm presumptuous, but that's my theory. I'm thinking back to all my beds. And okay, yes, I've always, throughout 19 years of marriage, sleeping in the same bed for 19 years, slept on what I'll call the left side. So from my perspective, sleeping in the bed, looking up at the ceiling, my left shoulder is closest to the, is on the left side of the- To the right side of the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people, you're, you're sitting there, you're, stage, lo you're looking at a bed and there's a right and a left well, side Well it's kinda of like stage left, I think. Like if you're about to get in the bed. I'm, I'm like, I'm a, when I get into bed, I'm a performer, brother. So I'm talking bed left. Okay, so bed left and I would say room right. Room right. So as you're looking at the bed and you're like, am I gonna sleep on the left side of the bed or the right side of the bed? You sleep on the right side. I'm gonna sleep on the, the right side and then magically it becomes the left side. Okay. So now, that's a bonus. Okay. Uh, and this is, this is just something to just happen early on in your marriage and then there was no reason to switch it. Didn't think about it. And the second part of your question, when I go to a hotel room uh, and I'm traveling with Christy, I do, I have actively thought about this. We have not discussed it. But like when you walk in the room and you've got your luggage and I immediately like to settle in. I like to put the luggage, I like to, if anything needs to be hung, I like to hang it. I like to put the toiletries by the, by the sink. I like to settle in, I like to feel mm. secure. Yeah. Um, but that involves going ahead and kind of claiming a side of the bed immediately. And right. I don't wanna burden Christy with this conversation. Um, of course the flip side of that is you should consult your wife, she has but we instinctively but she knows that we, that's, we instinctively that's a dead end. <laughs> we, we go to this, we go to the same sides. And by the way, whenever I'm traveling alone, it well, you know what? It's up for grabs at that point. But I do sleep on a side of the bed. I I don't I think a side that you determine to be most useful. Like oh, this yeah. is a better lamp on this side or something. We got to reach your phone or whatever. There's a reason. Got to reach your phone. It it really has to do with like if there's a plug on one side and I can get to charge my phone. Sometimes they're not on both sides. Okay. Well, I will say that when I when I sleep in a hotel bed by myself, I sleep in the middle of the bed because it's, as a as a big man, you can reach anywhere. This is this is like what I always want is a large bed that I can just go anywhere in. And if you're in the middle, you can reach 
both bedside tables Easily. simultaneously. Yeah, I can put my hands on both <laughs> tables at the same time. Finally, you got something um, to live for. Now, <laughs> Jesse and I began to talk about this and it led to an argument. Oh yeah. Uh, because Based on the, the tweets? Yeah, because, okay. now first of all, we sleep, just to give you a lay of the land, I started thinking back through previous houses mm-hmm. and in my previous home, I slept on the other side of the bed. And then I went back and in the other in the other house, I slept on the same side that I sleep on now. Uh, and so there seems to be no rhyme or reason to which side I pick in a particular house that we're in. However, we stay on that side of the bed. But- when we go on vacation, there is no conversation about it, and we end up on either side of the bed, and we never it's talk random. about it. It's and random. it's just random if you're if we're in a hotel. <laughs> well, oh, sorry, it's not random. It could be either side. But when I started evaluating the psychology, realizing that I was the one making the choice first, ah. this is when she got mad. You pointed it out. I to have her. a re. I have a thought process that's almost subconscious that has been determining which side of the bed I sleep on in every environment that I've ever slept on a bed. Okay, and what is it? It is. I want to be farthest from the door. The door. Oh, you want to put. You want to. You want to use your wife as a human shield. So, which that's hence the argument. <laughs> so, what I told her is without even thinking about it, and, and it's not in. And this is why she's mad. It's not in relation to her. It's not like I want her to protect me. It's that I have this instinctive, and I don't. I've never been a. I've never been in a room and had somebody come in and attack me. It's ne- it's never happened in yeah. forty one years, right? But I am a. I'm a cautious. Person, like I am, I, I am the kind of person that goes into a public situation and thinks about where I'm sitting in a restaurant and that kind of thing. And I'm not like a, I'm not a big worrier in that regard, and I don't seem anxious about it. But I feel like almost in like a pseudo tactical way, Bourne. I'm kind of making decisions. Not that I would be capable of doing anything given the extra couple of seconds. I, I, I've only ever been in two fights, and they both ended with me punching someone in the stomach. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a hand-to-hand combat guy. I'm a lover, not a fighter. Well, that's why you gotta you gotta have more space to run. But there's this thing that's like I need some time to think. I again, I'm not trying to evaluate because it's not a conscious process. It's I always, without fail, go to the side of the bed or the bed. And I don't know if you remember this. Like if for a long time when we traveled, we would get two um, double one, beds, one room and two double beds. I would always pick the one furthest from the from the door. Now, and I like that because I wanted to be further away from the AC. Right, so it worked out without even discussing. Which is it. usually on a window unit. And Jesse was was understandably mad because she was like, she, you know, I have a tendency to be uh, like when we're out in public and I start walking. Sometimes I'll just kind of just walk ahead and just kind because I'm so I just. I am not a very thoughtful That's person. That's a pet peeve of hers, you walking ahead. And I walk very fast and she walks slow and though she thinks she walks regular speed and I walk fast. Well, I think I walk fast and she's slow, but that's Maybe you walk time. the same speed, but when you factor in leg length. Well, we've had a lot of leg length arguments, let's just say that. Uh, and she's got unusual shoes a lot of times, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> She's got like shoes with fish bowls. In what does this have to do with the bed though? <laughs> uh, it just means that it's consistent with my tendency to disregard her okay. in her eyes. Yeah, and so, so therefore she's like, her. You don't, you're not protecting me, you're putting me in the way of the potential crazed person who will come in here and try to kill us both. 
When you're like, somebody could come through the window. Exactly, yeah. But that's not what you think. Uh, I'm not thinking at that's all. That's just what you're now arguing. And now, well let me say this, now that I am consciously considering this, I'm gonna be closest to the door now. Because it isn't, doesn't, I'm not gonna sleep any less. So as a physical demonstration of, of love and deference, you're going to sleep closer to the I'm door. I'm gonna put myself in harm's way. You're gonna really. <laughs> For my wife. No, well, okay. But isn't that interesting though that I had subconsciously chosen this side of the bed? I've been interested in it, yeah. Um, it's held my interest. And then when I think back about those other those previous houses, it was like, yes, I'm always on I, the other side is that, of the uh, is, is, if, of the door. It's the door at, from the door at home. Because in in your first house back in Fuquay, I thought it had to do with something with like when you stood up to get out of your bed, like the roof angled to the point where you could not stand up in your own bed. That would be because that, that's a fact. That would have been either side of the bed because it had in an fact that was com that side that time in Fuquay was completely arbitrary because the house was a the uh, bedroom was a converted attic and the door was equidistant the from the foot of the the foot of the bed. Well, what about what about the um the one in Sherman Oaks, your your California home? Where I was furthest from the door, but but the bed was against the wall. I was against the wall, so you had to climb over Jesse in order to get in the bed if she got in first. And I think it's because she stayed up later than you. Well, I think that's we, the reason. We, we talked about this, and she said, "Well, the reason we did it in that house is because I was getting up with the with the kids more often than you were." Again, another oh, point crap. of disregard, Dang. lazy husband. Um. But I was like, yeah, I mean, you're just so much better about getting in and getting out of the bed, you're small. <laughs> it takes me an extra few seconds, you know, something could happen. Uh, anyway, yeah, so I'm not gonna go into That's the details of the argument. argument that we had, but I have made the decision now that, uh, now that doesn't mean that we're going to switch places in our current home because it's pretty established at this point and I am furthest from the door. See, I think the reason why it, I, I just don't have, I don't have the door thing that you have for me, when we travel and we're sleeping together, like when we were on vacation in those three different beds that we were staying in, I'm always on what I'm calling the left side, which is the right side of the bed. Um, because as I'm sleeping, she's moving on my right side. She's, there's, a, there's a bean over there. And if the bean's now on my, I'm not used to a bean on my left side. And so that's gonna give me a bad night's sleep because subconsciously I'm, I'm disoriented. So mm. having a bean on the right side is normal. Having a bean on, the, on, the, on my left side is discombobulating. I don't think it's that discombobulating. But oh, it is. And then you, and you, you have more room, you know where you have more room subconsciously to roll. Like if I roll this way, I got more room. There's gonna be a person there, but I'm not gonna roll on the, off the bed. And I know that if I'm. Yeah, you're not a child, you're not a toddler. And you know what, as a matter of fact, last night, I just remembered. I rolled I, off the bed. <laughs> <laughs> I came as close as you can come to rolling off the bed. Yeah, that hasn't happened to me in many years. And you know why? Because on vacation, for over two weeks, we've you been. had rails? We've been, we've been sleeping on king size beds. I come back home to my queen size bed. It's great, isn't it? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I felt like. I got a California king. My I, my subconscious was on a king size bed and started rolling over, and I was teetering, and I woke up. Yeah, you, had to slide. You probably should stick to to one side of the bed. <laughs> it seems safer. So, because to me, that's what it all boiled down to. So, back to Mike Dad Bod Florida's question. For me, I had a fear reaction because I'm afraid of rolling off the bed or at least having compromised sleep. I think that 
the side that you're used to someone being on in the bed with you makes a big difference on your quality of sleep. But I, I will I, say I, I that just, I can't believe you're you're, well, you're it might make you're a, arguing it that. might make a big difference for a couple of days. But I'm saying that I I again we have a slight difference in philosophy about this. Uh, I believe in continually shaking things up so yes, you don't I, become dependent upon routine, right? I could Because you become more flexible. But in this particular situation, in the context of a marriage, this is, in my mind, this could be that your wife wants to mix things up. I mean, this is a mild mixing, but if she's like, hey, we've been together for eight years, what are the next eight years are gonna be like? Well. They're gonna be like me being on the other side of the bed for one. That's potentially just take it. First of all, I think you should ask why. You shouldn't ask us why. You should ask her why because we don't know. You should find out is there any underlying reason or is it just like, hey baby, I wanted to shake things up or no, actually I wanted to be further away from the door so you would be the one to get killed. It could lead to arguments but, came but again, then that might lead to some self-sacrificial action like Rhett's doing. But you make a good point with mixing things up because I am always gonna be a proponent of mixing things up when it comes to the bedroom. <laughs> you, I mean, hey, now we're on to something. Okay, I got your All attention. Right? So yep. Mike, this could be a, things could be getting exciting. This could be, this could be like a little. Yeah, uh, you never know where this is gonna lead. Here's what I'll say. And you know what, go for it. I think I wanna. Just, before we move on. Go down the water slide. I want to acknowledge Whee! that. Now that I think about your which side of the bed you consider the right and left side of the bed, you might have something here. Because when you're in a car, the right side of the car is as reference from being inside of the car. But, I didn't wanna tell you, but yeah, you're right. But I feel because like I'm right. when you go, no, but I think if you go to a mattress store and you ask a person selling mattresses, mm -hmm. touch the right side of the mattress. What is the person selling the mattress gonna do? I think they're gonna touch the right side of the mattress as if you're looking at the bed. I agree, but it's not his mattress. Do so you think it changes once it becomes your mattress or yeah. it changes once you get in the bed? When it becomes your bed, your mattress. Talking about mixing things up, I mean, you're really shaking me with that. I mean, I sustained injuries from sleeping on the same side of the bed for too long. My I would sleep on my right side. That was sleeping on the wrong side of your body. And I would not the side. I of would the bed. spoon Christy, and but I would use my arm. I'd put my right elbow up uh, next to my right ear, and I would use my own uh, elbow as, as a, a pillow. pillow. And I did that for so long that like the bones in my shoulder started to grind against each other, and like wore down the freaking cushion. And now I I have technical pain. term. I have pain there, and um, so. I learned to sleep on my back and I can't spoon anymore. But the solution could be well, you wear still, down the left shoulder. You can spoon. I could get spoon. You can spoon, but you can't spoon sleep. You but you can spoon just for fun. It still hurts. Or I think There's it's no hurting. spooning now? I think I can't I can't spoon because I think that I'm grinding my shoulder. And so I actually try to keep my elbow down by my hip and spoon that way. Well, the thing about and that's me, just weird. The thing about spooning, it's for like me you're upright, but you're laying down. Is I've always only ever been the big spoon because if I'm the little spoon with Jesse, it's like I have a backpack on. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's not. It's just yeah. not not the same sensation. You're an ultra large little spoon. <laughs> um, shall we move on? I just want to make sure we got closure here. I, I, I think we've told him he needs to talk to his wife about this. And but just find, but then take it as an ironically, opportunity. Ironically, you know what I'm going to do. 
tonight I'm gonna get I'm gonna I'm gonna get in the bed first. I'm gonna get in on Christy's side. I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah, that's not gonna work. I'm gonna go all the way to sleep and then see if she wakes me if up. If you move the furniture, it might work. Move all the stuff in the yeah. I I think I think Christy and I. All right, I'm audible here. Maybe we need to throw throw it in the mix to like switch it up. Yeah, see how it feels. Let's both let's both do that with our wives and then and then report back. Let's sleep. Let's talk them in. Jesse, she won't care, right? Mm. I don't know. I got to talk to her about this. Yeah, we can't decide right now for. Her. I can't. Listen, I've Let's learned. If I've learned mistake. anything, I'm not going to make a decision on the <laughs> podcast that affects my wife. <laughs> uh, we're going to we're going to begin negotiations, which may lead to a trial period of sleeping on the other side of the bed and see what happens. Yeah, mix it up. But I guarantee you, there'll be some bad night's sleep. Not for me. <laughs> no, I'm 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 being honest with you. It's I know for a fact it's not going to affect because I do it randomly when we travel. And it's Thanks, never Mike, for. Uh, so we got more questions. Here's another question from science is an art. Huh. I moved in with my boyfriend a few months ago and he has apparently never washed a dish or cooked anything more complicated than ramen in his life. Okay. Apparently spaghetti is too complex for him. So what most basic dish can I teach him to introduce him to cooking? Let me say that last part in a way that makes more sense. So what basic dish can I teach him to introduce him to cooking. Okay, um, well you know for me, I, I'm not a cooker. I'm not a chefer. I'm not a maker of dishes. Um, I'm not proud of that, but it's just the, way, it's just the fact. I'm, I'm, nothing about learning how to cook has ever appealed to me. And again, I'm just, it's almost a confession, but you already knew that. Um, I am, however, a cleaner. So I'm observing right off the bat. So you like the part that no one does. <laughs> you, you, you pick the well, only thing that, no, and part of the process that nobody likes. Well the thing, the, the way that I've always justified it in, like Christy enjoys cooking sometimes, not all the time, but because I don't enjoy cooking at all, if someone's gonna cook, it's on her until now the kids have gotten old enough to start preparing things themselves, especially Lily who also enjoys cooking and baking. Um, to a to a, a large extent, um, so I've always felt guilty that like she's been expected to do the cooking, and not in like a you know a masculine, feminine role type way, but just in a personal taste kind of way. Honestly, I believe that's why, not because she's the woman or anything. Um, but I felt bad about that. But I've always compensated or taken a defensive stance of. Well, at least I'll clean. Like, hey, I made a decision early on in our marriage because I I didn't know how to cook and for whatever reasons, which I can go into if you want me to, I've said, I'm just gonna take the sense of, I'm gonna be grateful and uncritical of anything that you wanna prepare because I know that I would die if you didn't do it. And I will also then clean up. So I think, I've, I, think I got a good track record I'm not gonna say a great one because my wife's probably listening, but at least a decent track record of at least compensating with not cooking by cleaning. You also like cleaning. And I like cleaning. I like putting things away. And a lot of people who enjoy cooking, they start to say, and Christy has said in the past, um, and I've heard chefs, you know, as I've spoken with many chefs, it's like, the only part I hate about cooking is the cleaning. It's like, well, let me take care of that. Right. As, a, as, a, as an, as an offering of gratitude. But I'm but this guy does neither. 
And I find it interesting that the thing that she's asking about is she, she's keying in on the cooking part. And maybe that's because she likes the cleaning part, so I'll respect that. But now I'm a little out of my league because. Well, let me ask you. I, so I'm just telling him, he, you, buddy, you got, he should do one or the other. Well, I think maybe you can speak to this. Um, so first of all, it is interesting that you don't cook, right? You know, I, I think if you were to analyze, not personality, but if you were to analyze background, you know, I was raised in a very traditional home yeah. where my mom did all the household duties my dad couldn't cook anything, wouldn't cook anything. He basically. He grill a steak? Yeah, yeah. He, he was the grill man. He was the grill man. He'll grill a steak, he'll barbecue the chicken. But it's basically, I don't know what it is about baby boomer men, but it's like, I'm only gonna cook if I'm outside. <laughs> and the moment, that I could, the moment that I come in, it's like, this isn't my territory. You know, lots of reasons for that. Uh, and so, and my mom did everything for us. Like, my brother and I never did laundry. Like we, she, I think she was just like, you guys, she didn't have the patience for us to make the mistakes that we would have made. She was just like, just let me do that, you know? And that's kind of a baby boomer mom kind of thing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, so going into college, I never cooked anything, but I like to eat so much that there came a time in which I was like, I have to cook for myself. It wasn't like, I wanna be a cooker. <laughs> you know, it was like, I want to cook so I can eat. And I love it. And so in our dorm room, we had one of those um, toaster oven things, and I don't recall using that much. Not really cooking, e even if I were to use it. So then you're, you're referring to when we got our first apartment that had a kitchen. Yeah. And you it, started cooking stuff. Yeah, and also, you know, Greg had Greg could cook a little bit. Tim could cook a little bit. We all kind of could cook a little bit, but it was like, okay, I'm going to make hamburger helper. I'm going to make I'm mashed gonna potatoes out. out of a box. But you never, you were like, I'll eat it, but you never were like, I'm going to make the hamburger helper. Well, you I'm know what? Fry up the hamburger. Rhett, there's a saying. It goes a little something like this: Too many cooks <laughs> in the kitchen. I mean, yes. there's four guys living in an apartment, three of them are cooking in well, the kitchen. No, but we, here's the thing, we would. There was also a little laundry was in the kitchen. We would divide up the cooking. It would be like, tonight Greg is gonna make this, or tonight Tim is gonna make it, tonight Red is gonna make it, but there was never a tonight Link is gonna make it. That never worked into the mix. But I find it interesting. We never talked about it, I didn't care. I have no Ill, Ill will about it. Uh, but you were actually on your own a lot. Yeah. Ra that, being raised by a single mom and being home alone a lot. Like, you could have cooked a lot of things. You know what? So why didn't you? I think maybe that- you gotta that, get into this guy's head. I think that plays into it because I think my mom, because she had so many demands on her life and feeding me being just one of them, I think it was like anything that was pre-made at the grocery store, we needed to get, we needed, you know, we. She didn't have the time or the energy to cook as much. So I, let's work with that theory because I, fact, like everything in our house was like, you you pull off the foil top and then you can just you eat it with a spoon. Applesauce, pudding. All the best things. All the best <laughs> things. And then bars, you can just open up and eat. Yeah. Or cookies. But you, you didn't eat bars for dinner. I mean, she, she always cooked when I came over. She, she wouldn't. She had that stove top. Uh, skillet. Skillet. Thing that you put on the steak. counter, yeah. Yeah, she she had her like, uh, you know, I talked about it in the book of mythicality. She had her like few meals. Yeah, that, like she would like she circle rotation. Through. Yeah, she had the she had the rotation. Um, 
I don't know. I, I do. Maybe that has something to do with it, though. Was that a lot of it was still like packaged, and I was, I would be home alone for lunches over the summer, and I, I remember my favorite thing was you'd peel the top off of this package that would have roasted chicken legs from like Holly Farms or whatever it was called, roasted, fully cooked chicken legs, and I wouldn't even heat them up. I would just eat them cold. <laughs> okay, it's like so easy. Right. So it's like. It's so easy, it's so tasty. I mean, it's like, why go through effort when all I gotta do is rip this, the top off of this thing? That's what I learned as a child. You just rip the top off, brother. Get to something else. Like playing cards by yourself in your room or looking I, at your G.I. Joes. Yeah, I mean, I, to, to me, so I think that when you think about cooking, there is no joy, the joy of I've, cooking. I've never, ex I've never experienced it. Ironically, I mean, when I took that cooking class in Thailand, I started, I was like, oh, I had this knife for a second, I was chopping stuff and like, I actually, he made the meal and then we made it. I was like, I could see how this could be fun, but it felt like an entirely new experience to me. Like, hmm. I'd never experienced the fact of like, putting stuff together and, and also there's, I think there's anxiety of like, having never done it, it's like, all I'm gonna do is screw this up. I, I There's no way this Fear is gonna failure. work. There's a lot of steps, there's a lot of things to get right and if I'm gonna do it, I gotta do it exactly right. I think so maybe, I think maybe, because cooking it's versus, art, versus baking, you know. Ba baking is more probably your style because it's like the, all these specific ingredients and specific temperatures. But it's too intimidating to get into the exactness of that. Okay, and but, I feel that way right, about all of it. So maybe this will help with your, your, your boyfriend. Because like, from my perspective, the reason I like doing it, and I don't do it that often, uh, I'll, I, I usually, the weekends is when I have time to like, I've got time, you know. I get home probably seven o'clock and so, uh, and sometimes Jesse gets home at the same time and then we either do takeout or we'll eat something late. We don't, we're not one of those families that eats at the same time. We eat somewhere between six o'clock and nine o'clock and you never know when it's gonna be. Um, but the thing that I like about it is I do like building and creating things like, I, the. I've never done it, but the idea of like making a sculpture or you know painting a painting, like uh, getting into something like that, that there's a process and then there's a final product has always been intriguing to me. I think it's, it's one of the reasons I like what we do. But the beauty in cooking is that you get to do the process and then you get to eat the final product. Mm -hmm. So it's better than art because you get to eat it. I love to eat so much. It's one of if your I could paint things. a painting and then eat it, <laughs> that would be incredible. So I, so what you're getting at for me and him, because this is also, you got to find something you can connect with in the process. So you got to find the joy for you. Where's the joy? It's the art of creation and then the art of consuming. The with the art of creation and the exercise of consuming. And there and is a sense of accomplishment that. I'm not gonna make something that's as good as what we can get takeout in Los Angeles, most likely. Um, but I did it, man. I'm eating the art that I made. And and so again, back like to a her. a child eating Play-Doh. Back to her username, science is an art, ironically. Maybe we're onto something that can help you tap into his passion because I, I, you know, you're, you're a little divisive in the way you've written this. Apparently spaghetti is too complex for him. You know, you've gotta, you gotta lose the tood, first mm. of all. You know, just because he doesn't like it, doing cooking, it's just like the stuff you don't like doing. Don't sh you, you're not gonna shame him into cooking. 
Um, but, but I think but you can you can lure him into it. Well, maybe, what is, what's the best dish? Because I, I, first thing that comes to mind is grilled cheese. I think it's you cook stuff together. Because grilled then, cheese is a sandwich, which is easy, but it's with, a slightly cooked sandwich. With every sandwich. step of cooking the grilled cheese, you take off an article of clothing. You know? Oh. Make it a little. Make it a bedroom game. Make it foreplay. Mix it up again. I know. You can do this on either side of the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which you always What's, use the same burner? You know, use a different burner. It, there's a saying, Rhett, and, and this is how it goes. Love making starts in the kitchen. I, I agree with that. So that's that's another one. One may be art. Another one may be bribery. I don't know. It's like I'll give you an Amazon gift card if you learn how to make spaghetti. I don't. You know. Again, I. I that's. Well, the specific idea, question was, what's the most basic dish? I, I don't know. I'm not putting a lot of thought in. I don't this. think it's about how basic the dish is. It's not about the dish being easy. It's about tapping into motivations. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But you got to you got to start somewhere. So. Well, I th I think I think that's the secondary. You can't you can't answer that question. You can't give them grilled cheese until you've come to the motivation because the motivation then yeah, might, you gotta, might say you got to address the motivation. Oh, it needs to be um, it needs to be beef stroganoff. Maybe just get a make a painting and let him eat it. And if you're taking off your clothes, you can call it beef taken off. Oh, clothes. That's, that's good. Make it a game. That's a good recipe. You should do a whole book. Beef take it off. Give me another question. But we're we're really z nailing them this morning. Uh, Mariah Bazell, MC Bazell on Twitter. I drive my friends crazy talking over them all the time. I just get so excited. Tips for being a less obnoxious conversationalist. This is a little close to home. What do you mean? Well, considering that not too many pods ago, we talked about this. And my theory was. And I'm not gonna do that joke where I interrupt you because it's played out. My theory was that you interrupt me more than I interrupt you. And it got a little prickly. And, and, then, and then you what? <laughs> you, may, you gave an assignment. No, I just said, okay, somebody make uh, a compilation. And we actually talked to Kiki, you're so loud, about this when we met her at VidCon. After? She had she, answered your call. She made she she made a video that was a series of you interrupting me, and most of the time saying sorry to interrupt when you did it. Um, it was not an exhaustive no, it compilation. Wasn't. It wasn't. It, you know, I, I think it was funny that 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 she that she answered your call, and it was all in good fun, and I I found it humorous. But listen. I mean, for that one, she did some kind of search. There was some yeah, sort yeah. of search I, with like I don't interrupting. That... And so what she did was, I think all she proved was that when I interrupt you, because I do, I apologize for it and I use the word, I'm sorry for interrupting. So it's easier to like find it in some sort of like okay, and this transcript is, search. And, but this you, is... and you don't apologize, but you do it just as much. Okay, and this is question mark? Oh, huge question mark. Now I'm not, listen, now don't get super defensive. I'm not. Okay? I'm just gonna keep breathing and in I, through my nose. And, I'm not, my and I'm not mad about this. We've actually talked about this in the in the past because first of all. And let's have, I, I just interrupted you. I'm sorry for interrupting you. But I do, I'm, I'm gonna have a real conversation and I'm not gonna do anything for comedic effect anymore. From this moment on, okay. we're having a real, real conversation, sincere conversation about interrupting each other. Okay, I, I think there's a couple of things. We both like to talk. We both 
like to hear ourselves talk. This is a recipe for interruptions. I do it and you do it. And I think that who does it more does have something to do with what it is that we're talking about at the time. Uh, if I get passionate about something and I feel like I've got a lot of important things to say about it, I will be more likely to interrupt. And I guess the same holds true for you. All that being said, there is a phenomenon and this is where the whole apologizing about interrupting doesn't really come into play. And I don't really know how often you do this in the context of us just being on a podcast or even on the show, but this is the thing we talked about before. You interrupt a lot and you don't know that you've interrupted. So you're not being rude on purpose. And the thing, the way that it happens most often is we're in a conversation either together or most often uh, in the context of a larger group and we both begin talking at a, pro well usually what happens is I start, when this particular thing happens, I start talking and I get one to four words out and then you just start talking. And then my personality is pretty deferential in those circumstances. So I tend to stop talking. You don't even know that I started talking. It isn't like, I don't care about what Rhett has to say, I'm gonna start talking. My theory is, is that well, I can tell the you way that happens. your brain kind so of works is that. Yeah, I, I think when we're, especially in like meetings type of thing or like when we're making decisions, we're processing something like that. So it's not like shooting the breeze. I think we're, you're really talking about when we're in like a, I'm not just gonna say like a business conversation but like a strategic or something that's like, there's a lot of moving parts. I tend to, I think and then speak about it a little slower. So like, I'm, I'll be a beat behind and then, but I'll be thinking intently and forming my thought. And so someone may have started talking but those two words that you said I didn't hear because it was, I was still in the silence of about to speak. I would say it happens between 20 and 40 times a week. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. Now, but it's just kind of become a part of the way that we Do you interact. agree that it's like in the office, kind of like in meetings? I think it's in just, any group conversation. You think it's any shooting the breeze? Any, any conversation, any group conversation. So there was a couple, a couple years so this ago. This is an intervention. So there's no, we've talked about it before. There was a couple years ago where I made a decision that what I was going to do when it happened was I was just going to not stop talking because I'm, you know, I, can, I know I'm an asshole, trust me. But um, I'm actually, I'm, very, I'm a little too nice in certain situations and so I'm, I am very deferential. Like that, my personality is to be pretty deferential like if there's two people walking down the sidewalk, I'm gonna be the one who moves and says, excuse me, right? That's kinda, I tend to do that, almost to a fault. So my natural disposition is, he started talking, I'm gonna stop talking. So I tried to do a thing where I would start saying something and then you would start talking and I would just talk a little bit louder and then it just didn't work. Well, I, don't, I don't remember you doing that, but I can only imagine that that would just make me angry because I'm like, why is he talking? Why is he yelling welcome, when I was talking? Welcome to the club. <laughs> but I, I still cannot believe that, if you're saying I do this 20 to 40 times a week, I cannot believe that. It's a fact. I cannot I'm believe not, it. I'm not exaggerating. 
And if so, but I know that you don't know it because you're not. Because I, I know that you wouldn't do it intentionally. So it's just kind of become a thing. This like, don't know what. Don't know that you had started talking, right? Yeah, but you'll notice, and you probably hear this from me. I would say a couple of times a month, especially if I feel, I'll be like, hold on, I'm talking. You'll hear me say that, right? Hold on, hold on a second, I'm talking. That's when I feel like what I need to say needs to be said right now. Most of the time I'm like, what I need to say can probably be said after Link finishes saying what he's gonna say. That's typically what I do. Um, so my theory is that it, it, as it might translate into, again, it's very different in this context because I, I actually, I'm in your ear on I, a microphone. I don't think what we're talking about now applies to ear biscuits. I don't think it does either. So I, I, I do wanna talk about that, which is what I thought we were gonna talk about. But we need to come up with a plan for this because I, I, I cannot believe this 20 to 40 times a week. I just can't believe it. And <laughs> if that's true, I want to know but there's got to be. Do I need a bell? There's, no, Ding. there's there's got to be a there's, there's got to be a way that that doesn't involve a bell. How about you wear a shock collar? <laughs> Hold on, you can't start making jokes. We said we weren't making okay. jokes. Right, this okay, is serious. Okay, okay. all right, okay. I, I'm just saying that there's got to be a gentle way, and a gentle and private way for you to say, or or you know what? I, it can't be private because there's someone else in the conversation. It doesn't happen when we're just talking to each other. It happens when the two of us are talking to somebody else, right? It happens, but you do it You do it with other people in the office as well, but they all do what I do. They just stop talking. They stop talking because of the boss is talking. I stop talking because I'm not willing to. I, I, I honestly don't know what's happening because. You don't, it's, I, I already knew, I already know. It's because of the way you're, it's exactly what you said. Like okay. what you so explained I, is you're not a rude person. It is, he didn't. He, there was is, a, he was thinking about what he was gonna say and you tend to not listen why? when you're thinking about what you're gonna say and so but you're not it, hearing me speak. But it's when there's a silence and then there's like, it's the kickoff of the conversation. So it's not like you've been talking and talking and talking and then all of a sudden I interrupt in the middle. Again, those are the type of things that sometimes happen in ear biscuits. It, sometimes it might happen with, that but way if there's a pause. But the theory is that. And I was gonna continue. There's, if there's a pause and then it's like, oh, now is a, socially acceptable opportunity for someone else, potentially me, to speak. <laughs> so I'm going to speak, but I'm gonna need to formulate what I'm gonna say because up until this point I've been listening, I haven't been formulating a thought. <laughs> it's like if we, it's not that extreme, but I think, I think so linearly that, or live my life so linearly that maybe not that extreme, but I do think that happens where it's like, I am listening and then there's a pause, but I don't know, it, I haven't been thinking about what I'm gonna say. Well, so. you've got two modes because you you have a, you're actually much more likely to speak your thoughts, to speak without thinking than I am. And that's a certain mode. And you tend to be in that mode in, when we're entertaining, which I would say right. that th this is entertainment, <laughs> hopefully. But. Uh, and then also on the show. But so a, it doesn't really happen the in real that situation. The real life version of that is that I'm a verbal processor. So sometimes I don't know exactly what I think about something until I begin to speak it out. So I don't say things definitively, I say things um, exploratorily. That's how I speak. So, um, which I, ironically would make you, 
lead you to believe that I could fill a gap immediately because I don't know what I'm gonna think. It just, it, I verbally process it. So those things don't work totally together, but I do think my theory is, because what I'm getting at ultimately is some way that you can gently flag that it's happening so that I can be receptive to the feedback so that I can get better about it, if you're right. I, I, I believe, you, you, you're not making this up, but it, it's that hard for me to believe that it happens 40 times a week. Well, 40 happens, times a week would be eight times a day. I said 20 to 40. I would, I would, I would have been fine with once or twice a day. This seems like a lot more than that. Uh, I think it depends on how many of those conversations we're in. But anytime we're in a one out of it, how many conversations? If we have, if we sit down and have a meeting where we're both speaking about something, it is going to happen. Okay. I don't like that. <laughs> but I'm saying, but I don't. I, in my defense, I do think that if it's most likely to happen at a point where there's a pause in the conversation. And then in that pause, I'm formulating something, someone else begins to speak, but in my formulation, I still feel like I'm in the gap and then I start talking a beat later. Because I do know another thing that happens is um, we're in a meeting and we've been asked to give, make a decision about something or give creative feedback on something and then you'll like, one or both of us will give feedback, then there'll be a pause and then the person who's talking to us, like Stevie, will then move on to the next thing. And then halfway through her moving on to the next thing, I say one more thing about the last thing because but you, you, I'm still thinking about but it. But when you and do I realize that, that, you know that you're doing that. And you, I do that. Say, a, sorry, before we move on. And I do that a lot. I would say. I do know that. I would say that if we're in a meeting where there are seven items, Three of those items are you're going to have an additional thought, and and I actually and it would and be I don't, and I don't, weird for her to just have a twice as long pause or ask me, do you have anything else? Because that's not how, and because that would be and demeaning. here's what, and here's let me say I don't mind I actually it's annoying like what you just said what you that situation is not even annoying it's like that's how your brain works and you are the kind of the details guy and the second check and that kind of thing and that's part of our process so. I welcome that. It can be a little, it can, sometimes it can be like, okay, we just talked about that. Let's, we got a bunch of other things. I, I get it. So it can be a little annoying, but I, I, it's not really. Even the first thing that we're talking about, I, I would say that I am so used to dealing with it that it's only annoying to me if I'm already like a little mad about something at you. And then I'm like, mm, okay, he's doing that thing. But it's not really, it's kind of like, this is just the way, he. I know he doesn't know, that he's not interrupting me because he doesn't think what I said. He doesn't know that he interrupted me. He doesn't know that I started to speak and then he started to speak. So if you want to deal with it, I am open to you dealing with it, but I'm saying that you don't have to deal with it because A, I don't know if it's possible. But you're saying I do it to other people. Yeah, but everybody I think also I would say that most everyone else also knows that you don't, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they think you just don't care what they have to say, but that's a good question. Um, I think most people who get to know you personally are like, oh, he's not, okay, he's not being dismissive. I just think maybe he didn't hear me. I think most people would be smart, who are here long enough would, would, so you would think be smart it's that, enough to know that. Do you that. think I'm right that it's at the be beginning of conversations at the end of gaps? It is when, yeah, but that gap could be 
someone is speaking and they are, they, there was a pause and they wanted to continue speaking but you started talking and then they kept, you know, you like, so if I was saying something and I was making a point and then I said it and then I stopped. But then I started going again and after but then you started talking. It does happen in that situation but it is when you perceive a gap, you don't just interrupt people willy nilly. It's you think there's a gap or there it, there is a gap whether it's within a person's conversation or it's in a group conversation. And am I contributing, because here's the funny thing is like I actually observe in other people and it I've been frustrated by other people because who I think have a tendency to, when there's a gap in a conversation, they change the subject. It's like, oh, they've been thinking about what they wanted to say and when they said it, it had nothing to do with what that person was saying and then they just started, so they changed the subject to whatever they wanted to talk about and that that's something that I that irks me. So I find it weird that, is that what I do? No. Okay. Because I do see, you know, when I see the p- people who do that, I'm like, I do not want to do that. So okay, so I don't do that. No, so I'm you're still, not changing I'm the st- subject. I'm still, and I've also you're noticed, speaking to whatever we're talking about it, but, but you're I doing also, it after okay. someone else started speaking. I, the only issue is that in the context of these conversations, it is not unusual. In fact, it's rather common for someone else to begin speaking and then two to th- four words after they start. You start talking. That is explicitly what it is. Because I also notice when other people, um, if somebody has a gap in their conversation, but they're in the middle of a point that they haven't completely made, and then they give, they start talking. I that does frustrate me because when I see other people do that, it's like, well, they're not. I, I was following them. And they're not, they haven't made their point yet. But you're saying I do that. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, there, I think there definitely are times when you're like, but it is. He was obviously halfway on. done, not you, fully done, and but, Link started talking. But what you're doing is, for whatever reason, you are not listening to that per, like you, you're not, you're not tracking. If you're tracking with somebody, you're tracking with somebody. Yeah. It's when you've made a decision that you, you're, you're gonna say something, you're thinking. And sometimes it'll be like, okay, this person's saying something, but you're thinking about what you're gonna say because you're engaging with it. And so at that point you're not, li- I think it's, you don't, and this is where I'm like, I don't know, I honestly don't know. You might need to just be, I don't know what you can do about it. I don't know if you, you can't change your ability, your ability to listen while you're thinking. I need a flag. If, if your brain works in a certain Here's, way. I, we're gonna have to look at examples. So I need, I need a symbol. I need like, you just take your, Take your fist and then put your pinky up and put it over your right nipple. That's all. And then I'll know, I'll know that I did it. And then I'll say, okay, why did I do that? That's why I did it. And I'll be able to explain it to myself and to you. And and if I need to change something, I can. But I'm gonna need that feedback. I think maybe we- And it's gonna need to be a pinky. I think maybe there should just be a, 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 a word. And it can't be like, oh, you just did it. Red light. You can't, but there's other people in the room. You can't just be like, if I, I, I just don't, I, I wanna equip you so that I'm receptive to this. I don't know what it's gonna be. Because if you, I'm gonna interrupt somebody and then you're gonna interrupt me for interrupting them. And what, tell them to go ahead? No, you, I just need a, it needs to be a physical symbol. Well, 
do you think it needs to happen in the moment or do you think after the conversation is over I can be like, well, let me tell you that, that we, these are a couple of times that you did that thing. When I was saying this or when Stevie was saying that, what do you think would be more helpful? If it's right after, after I wanna, the meeting. I want to assure you. It's gotta be right after I'm the meeting. I'm not doing this for me. It's I'm gotta do, be I'm fresh. doing this for you if you want it to be done because. Well, I don't think, I, you, did I've, you know you were gonna do this when we were talking about it? Because that's an intervention. I didn't know I was gonna talk about it until I saw the question. I wasn't oh. like, I need to talk to Link about this. Cause we kinda talked about this a few years ago, but we were talking about, uh, you know, we, we tend to like, this is one of the keys to our friendship. I think we check in with each other is, you know, it's like that's why we, we're, we're in a relationship What did, what did we other. decide when we checked, you told we me. We were talking about a lot of different things and this I is, think I just threw in there and you always interrupt me. <laughs> okay, you know, that I, was I, love I, priority. I, I, don't, I don't think that it was constructive. But we've been pretty successful in friendship and in business with this phenomenon existing. And so I'm not angry about it. I'm, I'm just saying that this is so. I don't, I don't feel like you're angry about it. I feel. But I do think it's interesting that maybe other people are because they, I know you so well that I know that you're not actually interrupting me. But maybe other people are like, he interrupts me all the time. I don't know. Now I'm, I'm gonna schedule meetings with every employee <laughs> And I'm gonna ask him. Now, there are times when I intentionally interrupt people in a meeting when I feel like we need to move on or I get what you're saying or, so there are, there are times when I exercise, you know, that the position of, well, I can dictate the pace of this conversation because um, this meeting's for me. And when you do that, you acknowledge that you're doing it. So I don't think that's an issue. Right, so it's like, I'm not gonna, but I don't wanna lessen, I don't want people to think I'm doing it when I'm not. That's just, it's disturbing to find out that you've done something apparently 20 to 40 times a week <laughs> that you don't, you're oblivious to. So that's, it's just disturbing. And I like to, you know, so I, I here's, yes. Did you suggest putting up the pinky? No, no that did. was me. Um, after every meeting, I'm gonna say, did it happen? Tell me when it happened. My theory. I have to know. Well, my theory is that. And I'm, does, it, that, is it, that, does that work? Yeah, my theory is that at least initially, you're gonna go into conversations in the next, in the coming days and weeks, thinking about this, and so it's probably gonna be, you, you, it may go away completely for a period of time. When it comes back, I'll let you know. <laughs> no, I'm gonna ask after every if it comes, meeting. If it comes back. If it comes back, I I can have hope. Then I'll, I'll let you know. But it may it may not it may not happen when you're just going into it with like I'm uh, I'm kind of I, I know that this thing happens. I didn't realize it happened, but I'm now I'm thinking about it. Just a, an, an awareness could be all that you need. Okay. Now to shift over in you know in the interest of wrapping up the conversation. Yeah. But I do want to shift over to the ear biscuits dynamic, which I think nothing that we talked about applies because we're in a performance mode when we're both talking. And I do acknowledge that there has there is an element of the way that there are times when I'll interrupt that I thought was more part of the way that this show worked, that interrupting each other was part of it, that then through like the feedback of listeners, I'm like, hmm, it's actually having an annoying effect or a frustrating effect. 
Like if you're in the middle of something that you're really passionate about, there was a point in the past, not currently, in my mind, where I thought that my, my role in the entertainment quotient of the conversation was to, to quip and interject and sometimes just to throw in some things when you were going on a monologue. And then I think I expected you to do the same thing. Now, I may not have reacted in a positive way to it because I may not have been capable of staying on task in my monologue when, if you were to do it to me. So, and maybe you, knew, I'm throwing out theories here, maybe you knew that so you didn't do it, but if you were to have asked me, I would have described the conversation climate of Ear Biscuits to be that we are both constantly interrupting each other and it's like, there's kind of a barrage of those things and like in the middle of a passionate point, we may go off on this big long rabbit trail because somebody said something. We may get in an argument or have a laugh attack or like go way off and then we come back eventually and that's kind of a entertainment mode of what Ear Biscuits is. I think we both do that. I think we do it in different ways and I think this is why it's perceived. I think there's two factors. This is, again, this is theoretical. But, but I've also, the second half of my point was I've changed my mind about that. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So I'm saying that's how I did think but then just to get my complete point out there, people were annoyed by me interrupting and so I am making a conscious effort over the past few months of doing it less. Like I I've, been, I've literally tried to put my hand over my mouth. Okay, Rhett's making a point, he cares about this. It would be frustrating if I kept interrupting. It wouldn't be entertaining. For some reason I thought it was, but it's not. So I'm gonna just, so I've actually, I've been trying to interrupt less. I can say, I, I have noticed that. Now, I, but I don't think that your instincts were wrong. I think that we interrupt in different ways. And I think that, um, again, neither one of us have ever taken an improv class, right? But obviously the yes and principle is something that is true to improv. And I think that as we have a lot of chemistry and we have a lot, a lot of comedic chemistry, but your disposition is not yes and. It just isn't yes and. That's not, there's nothing about Link Neal that is yes and. There's a lot of but, what, or. Yeah. And, 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 or totally, and so or left field. You bring in, where, whereas you might be telling a story and, I'm, and you'll notice that the way that I kinda interject into a story that you're telling is I'm like, yep, mm-hmm. Or, little joke here, in a certain tone and, Again, and I think it has something to do with like being raised in a, a bigger family where people were telling stories and you're interjecting and that kind of thing. And you tend to do the same thing, but when you do it, it has a, it's more derailing than, ad, than, than a yes and kind of thing. So again, it's part of who you are. I haven't, it may be annoying to an audience member at times. It's not personally annoying to me. Yeah, I'm talking about them. Right. I think the feedback has been helpful that's like, if you're if you're making a point and you're obviously getting at something and I I'm engaged, I know what you're getting at, but I feel like what normally could take 8 minutes it would be better if it took 16 minutes 
because in the that additional eight minutes of something unexpected or fill in the blank, it just adds to the entertainment factor. But now I understand that like an eight minute story that you gotta wait an additional eight minutes to get to the point, it's also, it could, it's frustrating. So, and so there's a middle ground of like, if you're gonna add a minute of interjection, cause it is after all a conversation. It's not a series of handoff monologues. But I do think that there was, there was an era of my ways in that, in that mindset. Well, and I would say that uh, your capacity to let me talk uninterrupted is lower than my capacity for you to talk uninterrupted. But I think that's a personality thing. And I don't, I, you know what I'm saying? I, di- I just think that I can kinda like, if you spoke for four minutes without me saying anything, I, there's certain times when I'll just kinda settle in and I'm like, this is, I'm not. Now, listen, I, let me be very clear. I th- like to hear myself talk. I'm probably perceived as more of an asshole than you are to most people. So I'm not trying to, I'm not defending myself. I'm just saying in there's certain aspects about the the way that, that convers- those conversations come out that it might be like, okay, Link's gonna tell this story. If I say anything, it's gonna be very, it's not, it's not gonna be derailing, it's gonna be a little bit additive, it's not gonna be a different perspective, it's gonna be like an agreement or a little, it's go- or it's not gonna be nothing. And I just don't think that's your disposition. I think your disposition is if I'm gonna say something it's gonna be like the ping pong ball came to my side of the table for a second. So I, whereas I might enter into more of a hype man sort of interaction, you enter into the ball was just volleyed to me, let me say something. That's a little more substantial and probably a little weird. Again, I think that's what people like about your style of comedy. But I think that it's it's interesting when you apply it to different types of conversations because I think that if you're telling, we both like to tell stories from things that have happened to us. Um, and I'm, I'm not really interested in like who does more of that or whatever, but I, cause I, I don't know or care. But I think when it comes to talking about ideas or things that aren't like personal experience type thing, like you'll get on these points about that and I feel like you're in more of, that's more of your zone than my zone and so I do think that there's an interesting interplay with how we discuss those type of things that like sometimes it's not like, okay, you're making a point, I'm making a counterpoint back and forth. I think it's more of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject things and ex- explore it, but I'm not, I'm not gonna be doing it in the same way that you are. So it's, and so I think that the, there's more opportunity for me to have interruptions that couldn't work in that setting versus when it's like a story that we're telling, I don't think that, I would like to think I don't do that to you when it's like, oh, like I'm hearing a tale here, this is happening. There's a beginning, middle and end, so to speak. It's not an open-ended conversation, whereas you feel like you're, you're, you're moving towards this point or this conclusion, but I'm feeling like we're having an open-ended conversation. And I think in that dynamic, it has led to a frustration for the for the listener. Well, and I t- and I do get. Um, as a matter of fact, I was. I don't know how I got here, but I was looking at um, 
the comments on our appearance on eight, the H3H3 podcast, which is over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And the nature of the questions that Ethan was asking were very much about like, sort of like theoretical things about the YouTube platform and stuff that just immediately like, I have all these thoughts about, right? Yeah. And uh, people were like, Rhett is interrupting Link a bunch. Um, and so, it de- like I said, the, the very beginning of this was, I think it depends on the mode of conversation whether somebody, whether you would be like, well, Rhett is interrupting Link or Link is interrupting Rhett, because I don't, I don't think this is a one-way thing. I think that it just kind of depends on the nature of what it is that's being discussed and who's more passionate about it. Um, and so in terms of the, in the context of Ear Biscuits. I also don't feel, like in those instances where it's like there's a point that you wanna make if if I do interject, you can get frustrated because you're trying to make a point. Whereas when I talk about those same things, I verbally process it more, so I don't necessarily know the exact point I'm making. I'm putting it out there for, like, having heard it and discussed it for us to yeah. reach a conclusion together. And I think that's that's the different way we approach it. So I actually don't feel, I don't think I feel it's sensitive to being interrupted when we're talking about ideas as you do, but as opposed to when it's a story. So I might be more sensitive to interrupting during a story than I am when I'm interrupting during an idea conversation. Yeah. Um, Well, this has become an interesting conversation. (laughs) From your question, uh, from Mariah's question, um, tips for being a less obnoxious conversationalist. Just talk it out. Uh, we turned a lot of these, this is, again, this is one of the reasons that we inter- interrupt each other is uh, we turn these questions into just conversations about ourselves. <laughs> we're, we're both. That's so obnoxious. We're both mildly narcissistic. Uh, <laughs> you kinda have to be in this business. Uh, but we. I, I don't think I'm narcissistic. Well, we, but we took, we took the narcissism quiz. You remember on the show, and we both got—we both got the same score. I don't know. I think I'm a psychopath. No, that's that was a different sense of smell. Uh, But we were there. There's a narcissism self-evaluation that uh, scores you on a scale of like one to thirty or whatever, and it puts different professions in different places. Like leave it to a narcissist to take a self-evaluation test. And uh, and we uh, well we did it on we did it for the show, and we both scored. I don't know, I can't remember the exact number, but it was like a 14 or whatever, which is higher than the general population. So more narcissistic than the general population. And you in the in sort of the celebrity entertainer range, we were in the celebrity entertainer range, uh, which is no surprise, this town is full of self-obsessed people. That's what makes Hollywood, Holly weird, right? Uh, but we got a little bit of that, that kind of got us into what we do, but, Hopefully not so much that we're not able to step back and evaluate it for the narcissistic assholes that we can be. I maybe we helped. Maybe <laughs> maybe us making it about ourselves helped. At least it's take it for what it's worth. I mean, I had fun talking about you and me. I'm uh, disturbed. I've been, you know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and I'm going to be sleeping on the other side of the bed. This is not going to no, be a good week for me. No, you can't have that much change all it's at once. It's not going to be a good week. You need for to change me. one thing at a time. All right, do you have a wreck? I have a quick wreck. Uh, this is a little unusual. It's a product uh, that is not a sponsor. 
but I am making an effort to do less meat-based and animal-based products in, in my life and in my food. Uh, not cutting them out completely, but you for know. For the environment? Just, well, you know, it's, it, there's, all, there's only good reasons for it, right? Environment, greater ethical reasons, all that. Um, but one of the ways that I've incorporated that is into these, cook, speaking of cooking, I'd make these scrambles a lot of times on Saturday morning with a lot of the things that we've got in the fridge. So you got eggs and cheese and some kind of meat and then mushrooms or onions or whatever we, we got, right? Put some hot sauce in it, put in a burrito, it's good. My wife and I like it, my kids are too picky so they eat something else. Uh, but I'm slowly moving towards a place where that entire scramble, even down to the eggs, is not animal based. Um, and one of the steps towards that was the cheese and this was a big thing for me was substituting vegan cheese, which I've tried multiple times. Which is nuts. Uh, no, I'm mean, like literally. Literally nuts. But I have found what I think is a pretty good cheese that I, I've tried on a burger as a slice and also put uh, the shreds in my scramble, Daya, D-A-I-Y-A. It's like one of the most popular ones that you'll see when you go to this section of the grocery store. But okay. I tried it a couple years ago and I didn't like it. I don't know if my tastes have changed, but I think they've actually reformulated it. It's getting pretty good. Mm. It's not real cheese. But if you if, if if you don't eat it next to regular cheese. Yeah, don't do that. Don't, you know, don't make that mistake, don't be an idiot. Uh, just put it into something that would normally have cheese. There's a bunch of different flavors, a bunch of different presentations where they're shredded or blocks or Slices, Daya, D-A-I-Y-A, uh, I recommend you try it. Not a sponsor, maybe will be one day. You said not a sponsor? Maybe, no. maybe will, well, would like to be a sponsor. I would like them to be a sponsor. Daya, if you're listening. Hashtag Ear Biscuits, let us know what you think about this. You can weigh in on the, on the interruption thing. I think that's gonna generate a lot of conversation. Hell, we may have to title it that, Kiko. Probably. Probably so. All right, we're up for it. Thank you for hanging out and we'll speak at you next week.